Hello, church. It's so good to see you again. I'm so thankful that we're able to meet together uh, here in person. And if you're watching online, I'm so thankful that uh, we have the technology that makes us able to still kind of meet together. But either way, I'm just so glad that we get to be in God's word together right now. We're continuing in our series, uh, the 23rd, looking at the 23rd Psalm. And today we're in just verse 3. So you can open your Bibles to Psalm 23 and uh, look that out. Last week we looked at what it means to have the Lord as our shepherd. How important it is for us to recognize him as my shepherd. That each of us need to individually say that and be able to say that, that the Lord is my shepherd. He leaves us wanting nothing else when the Lord is my shepherd. We saw that the good shepherd, who is Jesus Christ, he makes us lie down in the green pastures of his word. He feeds us there. And then he leads us beside still waters, making even the most troubling of situations but a calm walk. Today we see three more things that are true because the Lord is my shepherd. And since we're unable to sing together, just like last week, what we are able to do is read together. And so today we have something a little bit different planned, but we're going to do a call and response from uh, this passage. And so Gayla is actually going to come up and she's going to lead the response. And so what's going to happen is I'm going to read a line from the 23rd Psalm and you'll follow along by reading out loud the response. And so if you stand with me as we read God's word and we respond to it. It says this. The Lord is my shepherd. God, thank you for loving me. I shall not be in want. God, thank you for supplying my needs. He makes me lie down in green pastures. God, thank you for feeding me with your word. He leads me beside still waters. God, thank you for calming the storm. He restores my soul. God, thank you for healing me. He leads me in paths of righteousness. God, thank you for directing my life. For his name's sake. God, Thank you for your glory. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. God, thank you for your protection. For you are with me. God, thank you that I am never alone. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God, thank you for discipline when I need it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God, thank you for being my protector. You anoint my head with oil. God, thank you for anointing me with your grace. My cup overflows. God, thank you for abundant blessings. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. God, thank you for your goodness and mercy. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, thank you for eternity with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you, God, 
for the many promises in scripture, God, instructing us, leading us, giving us assurance, Lord. Lord, would you heal us, God? Would you restore our souls? Lord, would you lead us in paths of righteousness? And God, would you secure it by, and just as you have, Lord, by making it because of your name's sake. Lord, we thank you for the assurance we have in Jesus Christ, God. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful psalm that is such a gift to your church. Holy Spirit, be with us now as we look at this one verse today. Illuminate the scriptures to our eyes, O God. Allow us to see more of who you are, O God, and what you have done and who you are to us. Minister to our souls. We need you so desperately. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I hope that you've been looking at this psalm maybe a little more carefully in the last week, and I pray that you would continue to do so. Memorize it. My wife said to me yesterday, you know what, I'm going to take you up on that challenge. I'm going to memorize this psalm. I said, good, good. We all really should. Memorize it and pray it back to God. It's such a sweet psalm to memorize. It's good for every believer. It's good for the most obscure person you could possibly imagine, and it's even good for royalty. It was written by David, but he's not the only royal to have ever uh, recited this psalm. Many years ago, Princess Elizabeth at the time was getting married, and uh, it was the day before her wedding, and she's a sweet, sweet woman, Queen Elizabeth II, and uh, the day before her wedding, and she went to the abbey where she was going to get married. And she heard the choir practicing the 23rd Psalm in hymn. So she heard it, and she went back home, and I guess she had a discussion with her sister Margaret and her mom. And it wasn't quite right. She had sung it for so many years with her family, as she says, as they rode through uh, Scotland in the car, they would sing this psalm together. And the way they were singing it wasn't quite the same, and so she wanted it changed. So at the Abbey, uh, the phone rings. And sure enough, on the other end is Princess Elizabeth. And I'm sure that they were shocked that she was calling them. And she said, you know, I was there today and it's not quite the same. Do you think you could do it this way? And they're like, well, we don't know it that way. And she said, well, okay, we'll just wait. And sure enough, her, her sister, and her mom broke out in three-part harmony and sang the 23rd Psalm over the phone. This psalm means so much to so many people, regardless of where you come from. It doesn't matter if you are the most obscure person or if you're the queen of England. This psalm can touch your heart. The word of God can transform your life. And the 23rd psalm means so much to so many people for such a long time, and so it deserves our attention. The words of scripture that have been so sweet to so many people, we should memorize it. We should know it. So today we have three more truths from this psalm. And they're true for us if the Lord is my shepherd. I pray that you can say along with the psalmist in all integrity of heart, the Lord is my shepherd. I hope you know the sufficiency in Christ, the refreshment of his presence and the joy it is to follow him. So if you don't already have your Bibles open to the 23rd Psalm, verse 3 is where we are today.
And all of our points in this series begin with this, because the Lord is my shepherd, I can. And our first point today is be renewed by grace. Be renewed by grace. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. We are renewed by his grace. The good shepherd is there to restore the soul of those who follow him. He knows exactly what it takes to restore a soul. Why? Because he made it. He knows the ins and outs of your heart. He knows the ins and outs of your very being. He knows exactly what it takes. He's the perfect mechanic to come in and fix the brokenhearted and the one who is weary in soul. He knows it like no other. He knows the specific touch that is needed to do the work of restoration. And of course, this restoration work is found fully in his grace. It is what renews us. It is what restores us. In these four little words, we learn so much. I think two things specifically that David is telling us by saying these four words, he restores my soul. First, is, it, is that it is the Lord who does the restoring. He restores my soul. Think about that for, the, for a moment. Only the Lord can restore our soul. Only the Lord can do that work. And he renews us by his grace, a grace that can be found nowhere else but with the Lord. This point is so crucial to the Christian faith. It's really very, very important. In fact, the fact that it is the Lord who restores, it's not us, it's not our works, it's him. We cannot find, we think often we can find renewal um, if after work we just relax for a little bit or if we save up and go on a big vacation, or if we take a Sunday afternoon nap, which often are so sweet. But that's not where true restoration is. That's not where true renewal is. It might give you a little bit rest in your body, but it will not restore and renew your soul. Only the Lord can renew your soul and restore your spirit. We are unable to restore ourselves. There is nothing that we can do to accomplish this. Only by turning to the Lord and allowing his grace to pour over us can we be restored. We try to find restoration in so many places, but it's only the Lord. And this is the defining difference between what a Christian believes and what every other religion will tell us. Every other religion will say, no, we must find our way to restore our soul. If we do more good than bad, if we pray in this direction, if we wear these certain clothes, these are the things that will restore our soul, but it's not true. Only he restores my soul. Only he restores my soul. We need the Lord we need the Lord. And David is admitting this in these four words. That is the Lord who restores and only him. The second thing we learn here is that David, King David here, he knew that he needed to be restored. 
It wasn't just that the Lord does restore, but David is openly admitting here that he needs to be restored and that the Lord has restored him, meaning he was broken. He's quite open about his brokenness. He's open about his need for restoration. He's open about his inadequacy and his sinfulness. He knew that he needed to go to the good shepherd. He needs to go to the Lord to be restored because he is in fact and was in fact a broken man. We must be willing to admit our brokenness. We must be ready to confess that we truly do not have it all together. But that's not the world we live in, is it? We're always told to be strong. Don't show weakness. Never show a lack of strength, confidence, capability, or capacity. Put your best foot forward. Create an image of ourselves that showcases and it looks like a glimpse of perfection. Make sure that's what people see in you. I mean, we don't have to go any further than social media to see the true heart of the human soul. people just trying to promote themselves, to become influencers, to showcase themselves as great so that other people think more highly of them. And maybe we've been a part of it and guilty of it too, this posting things, or it doesn't have to be online, even in person, saying things, doing things for the sole purpose of making ourselves look good, to promote ourselves, to make it look like we need no restoration. to let other people only see the best parts of who we are. See, this is not the heart of someone who recognizes the Lord as their shepherd. The person who recognizes the Lord as their shepherd understands their own brokenness and is quite open about it. And as they showcase their brokenness, they glorify the one who can restore. This is why Jesus in the very famous Beatitudes in Matthew 5 says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Not blessed are the strong, perfect, Not blessed are the know-it-alls or the smart or the organized or the ones with the perfect photogenic kids. No, blessed are the ones who need the Lord to restore their soul. Blessed is the one who relies on the Lord and knows their need for God. Do you know this wonderful truth? That there's strength and weakness. That the only way you'll ever be restored is by admitting that you are in need of grace. See, it is the broken who the Lord holds closest. Like David, we all need to admit that we need to be restored in our soul. There is no sweeter place than to, than to be than in the presence of God as we repent. Being in surrender before God. We must surrender our sorrowful soul, surrender the sinful heart, surrender the weakened spirit, 
Allow the Lord to restore you to what you were meant to be. The flock of God definitely looks a lot different than the flock in this world. We seek to expose our weakness, to focus on our imperfections so that we can bring glory to God who is perfect, not the other way around. Just as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Name one motivational speaker who will say that to you. Boast in your weaknesses because that's when the power of Christ will rest upon you. If you want to see the power of God working in your life, if you want to see the restoration of God working in your life, you must understand your weaknesses and boast of them even, not in our strength, but in his strength, the good shepherd. How sweet it is to be in the arms of our Savior after true repentance. Last week I quoted from Luke 15, 4 which speaks about the shepherd who leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. It's such a sweet picture. And look at how this passage of scripture in Luke 15 ends, picking up in verse six. It says, and when he comes home, speaking of the shepherd who's found the one, that sheep that strayed, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous righteous persons who need no repentance. As we showcase our weakness, as we repent before the Lord, heaven erupts in gladness. As we repent before the Lord and we trust in the power of Christ resting upon us, we must see our need for restoration. We must know that only the Lord can restore. It's through his grace and it's available to us today. He restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I can be, here's our second point, righteously led. Righteously led. He leads me in paths of righteousness. The person who has recognized their need for restoration and has counted on the grace of the shepherd is not left only justified or saved, they are now also led into a life of righteousness. Last week we saw that the Holy Spirit leads us beside still waters. That is the what, that's what he does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He leads us beside still waters. He calmly leads us, and and this now is the how. How he does that. How does he do it? He does it by leading us in paths of righteousness. As we follow paths of righteousness in our lives, we see the still waters. It's amazing that in this very short psalm, only six verses, and we must take note of this, Twice, twice the psalmist repeats this phrase, he leads me. 
He leads me. So many other words could have been said, but he decided to repeat these ones. He leads me. It's no small thing. We must know that it is the good shepherd who is leading us. But do you hear his voice? Do you hear his voice? John 10.3 says, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he does, not, uh, he does before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. To be led down paths of righteousness, we must follow the good shepherd and we must hear his voice and hear his calling and know when to follow. Do you know his voice? Do you know what path he is leading you down? It will be impossible to be led down the path of the good shepherd if you don't know his voice. The listening to the familiar sweet voice of the good shepherd is something that we grow in over time as our sanctification increases, as we get closer to the day when we will be with our Lord forever. But we must be able to distinguish between the loud voice of our flesh, the loud voice of this world, and the sweet, ever-present, quiet voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jeremiah 10, 23 says, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. If we are not listening to the leading of the shepherd to direct our steps, then we're relying on our own discernment. And as the word says, we do not have it within ourselves to direct ourselves. We need the leading of Christ So how can we know if we're being led in paths of righteousness? How do we know? How can we be certain or how can we be clear or how can we have assurance that I am on the path of righteousness? This is the right path. I hear the shepherd's voice and and I'm going down the right path. Are you sure? Do you know? How do we know? We must examine ourselves. Examine yourself. Examine your life. Examine your motives and your heart. Examine the fruit that you're producing. Is there peace? Is there assurance? Is there faith? Do other brothers and sisters in Christ who see you being, or or, or that you see who are being led clearly by the good shepherd, do they agree with the path that you're on in your life? The fruit of your life will be a very good indication of what path you are being led down. Examine yourself. You see, the good shepherd leads us in paths of wisdom, not foolishness. Paths of wisdom, not foolishness. Have you asked for wisdom? If you were to look back in your life, maybe not 10 years ago, maybe not five years ago, but how about recently? How about recently? Do you see the choices you're making as wise? Are you doing things with good counsel? Are you being led in wisdom? Are the words you speak coded in wisdom? Or is there a lot of foolishness going on? The good shepherd leads us in paths of wisdom. The good shepherd leads us in paths of fruitfulness, not fruitlessness. Do you see the fruit of the spirit in your life? Do you see others 
um, coming to Christ through you, our doors being opened for you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. The good shepherd's paths of righteousness are paths of fruitfulness. He leads us in paths of serving, not laziness, in serving one another. Do you serve with the gifts that the Lord has given you? Good indication of the path that we are on. The good shepherd leads us in paths of purity, not sensuality. What does your heart desire? Deep down, is your heart desiring purity or sensuality? The good shepherd leads us in paths of community, not isolation. Do you seek to be a part of the flock of God? He went after the one, but he brought that one back to the 99. He leads us in paths of community. He leads us in paths of sacrifice, not self-interest. When you seek your heart, do you, do you look to gain or to give? What is your goal? Is your goal to gain or is it to give? Because the good shepherd leads us in paths of sacrifice, not self-interest. He leads us in paths of reliance, not self-sufficiency. Do you find in your heart, maybe in your Christian walk, that actually as you have been walking with Jesus longer and longer, you've become more and more and more reliant on him? Not less, but more as you've seen more of his glory and more of his grace and more of his leading, that you realize every breath you take is only a gift of grace from him for this day. That as you see more of his glory, you realize that you're completely reliant on him for everything. He doesn't lead us down paths of self-sufficiency. He leads us down paths of reliance. How about this? He leads us in paths of faith. Not necessarily, necessarily clarity. He leads us in paths of faith. He leads us in a way that will cause us to have faith. We might not know what tomorrow brings, but the only thing we will know about tomorrow is that the Lord is in control. And that whatever tomorrow brings, if it's terrible or great, God is in control. That God loves me tomorrow just as much as he does today. That I don't know what will happen in one year from now. I don't know what will happen in 10 years from now. But I can't be filled with anxiety because of it. I can only be filled with faith. I might not have clarity on the specifics of my life. But one thing I know is that Jesus will never leave me. He says in Matthew 28, I am with you always until the end of the age. He leads us in paths of faith. Do you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe the promises of scripture? And so these are all indications, these are all indications if we're on the path of righteousness. These are the indications, the fruit that we'll be bearing in our lives. But most of all, and at the center of all of these things, the path of righteousness that he leads us to is the path of the cross. He restores our soul, lays, down, lays us down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters, and he does this leading by leading us to the cross. 
the true and the most pure and the only path of righteousness. We must be led to the cross where our sin and our punishment was nailed and paid for. Where Jesus died so that our sin would be placed on him and his, his righteousness would be placed on us. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, for your sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The only path of righteousness is for us at the cross. We must stay there at the cross under the saving blood of our Savior, under the righteousness that we were unable to provide for ourselves, the path that we cannot find on our own. We need the cross of Jesus Christ to be restored and to be led down paths of righteousness. Do you believe? Do you believe? Have you been taken low enough? Have you been taken low enough to the point where you know you need your soul to be restored? Have you ventured down many paths and all of them seem to lead to a more miserable place than the last? Be led down the path of righteousness which, we, which begins and ends at the cross of Christ. Trust in him as your savior and as the good shepherd. Let him guide you in wisdom, in fruitfulness, in serving, in purity, in community, in sacrifice, in reliance, and in faith, and in so much more. The path of righteousness can only be found when we're being led by the shepherd. There is only one shepherd and no one else can get you there. The text continues. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. You see, all of this sounds quite incredible, actually. It's quite an incredible deal, isn't it? Us, a bunch of broken-hearted people, a bunch of people whose souls are in tatters, sinful unable to restore ourselves, the Lord restores us. He restores our soul. Praise be to God. He restores our soul. And then, and then, and then there's more? Yes, there's more. He leads us down paths of righteousness. He will bear fruit in your life. He will use you. He's called you a child of God. And our immediate thought is, or our immediate question might be, that's too good to be true. Or at least it's too good to last. How can this be? How can this restoration and leading be available to me? I haven't earned this. I can't afford this. I don't deserve it. How can this possibly be? And this is the best part, really. Because he tells us in the end of verse 3. It's for his namesake he does this. It's for his namesake. It's not for our sake, it's for his namesake. The Lord stakes his own name on your salvation. That's what the Lord puts up. It's for his namesake that your soul will be restored, that you will be led down paths of righteousness. 
The Lord has put his reputation on the line for your righteousness. And this really should encourage us. That the reason God has saved us, the reason that we are kept, the reason that we can grow is all because of his glory. You see, if it was for, if it was for anything else, it wouldn't last. Let this give you assurance that God will never go back on his glory and tied up in his glory is your salvation. Tied up in his glory is you being led down paths of righteousness. Do you feel feel weary? Do you feel there's no way out? Listen, for his name's sake, you'll be led down paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, you will feed in the green pastures of his word. For his name's sake, you will be led beside still water. He will restore your soul. God takes his glory very seriously. Here's a few things that God says about his glory as it relates to us and our salvation. In Isaiah 43, verses six and seven, we see the reason why we're even here in the first place, why we are created. God says this, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. This is your purpose. This is why we are here. God created us who are called by his name for his glory. Isaiah 43, 25, we see why God forgives our sins. Is it because we're great? I sure hope not. He says, I, in Isaiah 43, 25, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. Again, again, in Psalm 25, verse 11, he says, for your own name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. It is for the Lord's glory, it is for his name's sake that any of these things happen and any of these things are possible. We even see the reason why Jesus died on the cross ultimately in John 12, 27 and 28. It says, now, this is Jesus speaking, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. See, God's own glory is what's on stake here. What greater assurance could we have? God will not share his glory with another, he says in Isaiah 48, 11. God will not share his glory with another. He won't let you go because if he did, it means something else is greater than he. And there is nothing greater than our God. For his name's sake, he restores our soul and he leads us in paths of righteousness. For the sake of his own promises, which are true, for the sake of his own glories, you are secure. We are restored. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. It's not in our ability to keep ourselves. We need a shepherd. 
It's not how great we are, it's how great he is that keeps us. And since we are saved in Jesus Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit, our salvation is guaranteed. And what will happen is it will cause us to not just be forcibly led by the good shepherd in paths of righteousness, but willingly and wantingly led in paths of righteousness. Our salvation isn't secure so that we can just sin and do whatever we want. No, our salvation is secured. Our heart has been restored, our soul restored, so that we willingly and wantingly and know that all we can have that is good is in the good shepherd. And so we want to be led down his paths of righteousness. This is the heart of the one who has been set free from sin. This is the one who calls the Lord their shepherd. Let us remain close to the good shepherd. He will restore our souls in his renewing grace and he will lead us in paths of righteousness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, oh God, for restoring my soul. Lord, thank you for leading me down paths of righteousness. Lord, thank you so much that none of this is contingent on me. But Lord, you have saved me and you have secured me for your own namesake. Lord, you deserve all the glory and all the honor. Lord, help us seek the, the good shepherd in the path that we lead. Bear fruit in our lives. Restore our souls, remove the sin that we may be good sheep in your flock. We thank you for your grace. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.